This episode of the Capsule in Conversation is brought to you by WeCure. A leader in health tourism, WeCure offers specialist EMDR trauma treatment whilst you reflect and heal in the Mediterranean. Reset your mind and well-being. Speak to WeCure. WeCure.co.uk forward slash capsule. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Capsule in Conversation. I'm Natalie Anderson and today I'm joined by the incredible Denise Lewis to talk embracing competition, keeping afloat and coping in lockdown. So settle down, turn us up and get ready to join in with our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is so lovely to have you with us. I hope you've all had a great week and are still hanging in there, staying strong as we count down to Christmas. And if you need any help with keeping going, keeping up momentum and keeping focused, my special guest today is the perfect person to listen to. She is an Olympic gold medalist, a sports legend, an incredible broadcaster, a super mum, and one hell of a dancer. It's the wonderful Denise Lewis. Hi, Denise. <laughs> Hi, Natalie. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you so much for being with me today. I mean, we go way back and it's been so long since I've seen you or spoken to you. How are you doing? I'm really well. I'm grateful for my health. I'm just, you know, just ticking along like all of us, you know, you're just trying to find ways of just keeping positive. Um, it's been a crazy year, hasn't it? It's just been mad. And yeah. yeah, and I mean, and in that in that time, like since I last spoke to you and during this year, you have been coping with a toddler because you've had another baby. How's that been? <laughs> I'm laughing because a lot of people think, what is she doing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know something, Matt? He's, he's a joy. I mean, all children are a blessing, but, you know, having... Having him at the time of my life, you know, I was 46 when I became pregnant and um, I've just, I'm at a time in my life where I can really appreciate him, Mm. you know, thankfully I haven't got any financial stresses, Um, you know, I've got older children that are pretty, pretty self-sufficient, but you know what I mean, they're, you know, into their late teens, Lauren's like 18, my other boys are 14 and 12, and so they can't they can take care of themselves and i can just immerse myself in the joys of my beautiful baby and just take the time to enjoy his milestones so right now he's just you know finding his words he's trying to construct little sentences you know and i've just i've just loved it i've, I've just loved it I mean, it was a bit of a surprise to you, wasn't it? Because, um, you know, when you went to see the doctor, you, you were not expecting that. You were thinking it was more along the lines of maybe perimenopause. Yeah, that's right. I, I went to my GP first and said, look, I'm feeling tired. I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hot. I'm starting to feel like I'm getting flushes. And, you know, so I went literally with the expectation of, of her saying, no, don't worry, you know, it's probably perimenopausal. But as the weeks went on, I'm thinking... Just something isn't right. <laughs> Who would have thought I've had three children and still don't know? 
<laughs> so eventually when I took the pregnancy test after, you know, no show periods, I was like, <gasps> oh! <laughs> and then from the elation, you know, you sort of start thinking about the reality of the situation. What will the other children think? What will my mom think? I mean, 46 thinking, what will my mom think? You know, <laughs> just crazy. And then Steve, how was he going to react to my husband? Because he's, you know, not ridiculously older than I am, but, you know, he was over 50 and thinking about, you know, in the next sort of 10, maybe 15 years about retirement, not thinking about having, a, you know, another baby. <laughs> Thing. And he's really busy with his work as well, you know, yes. the, the work that he does, he's a music manager. And so he's like, you know, but very busy with what he's doing. And as you say, suddenly to kind of factor in a new little baby into the mix. Um, yeah. When he's thinking of, you know, maybe he's perhaps slowing down a bit. I mean, and how, how was he? Was he, was he okay? Was he excited? He was, for a long time, he was thinking about actually how will it affect the family? How will it affect him? And all I could think about was, this is such a blessing. You know, we had been trying for another baby a couple of years before that and unsuccessfully. And I just thought, you know, that's my lot. Um, and so for him, it was a slow process of actually getting on board. And he made it very clear that, yes, I'm delighted, I'm happy, what's the realisation set in. But it was very much... I just don't think I can do the early mornings again. And so, <laughs> so it was about being honest and frank. And I accepted that. I said, look, okay, this is going to be me. I'm, I'm going to just thrash out these two years because you know, it's hard. Mm. And, um, and it was great. So I kicked him out of the bedroom for a good few <laughs> months and, and Troy and I just literally just bonded and I've got a real sense of him and I just love being a mum again. It was just fabulous. All those cuddles. And, and was it like, you know, because like you said, Lauren's 18 now. And I mean, it must have been a bit of a shock for her as well, to be honest. Um, and then, so, you know, she's, she's 18. And that, that is nearly 20 years almost yeah. kind of, of, of a gap. But you, would you have not had necessarily all that time with Lauren at that point in, in your life? Because you were so busy, you know, with your career, with, you know, your athletics and everything. So now being at this point with Troy, as you said earlier, you know, you are able to be more hands-on. And, you know, the, the pregnancies, are, both pregnancies, I expect, and experiences must be quite vastly different. Very different, as you said. I was um, early thirties, no, late twenties when I had Lauren, so twenty nine, thirty, and you know I was very much an athlete with athlete mentality. And if I look at all the pregnancies, something else was always happening. So with Lauren, as he said, it was getting back onto the track, thinking about the next Olympics. Mm. With with Ryan, it was very much um, I'd retired, thinking about my next career pathway. With Kane, it was pretty much the same. It was business, you know, it was working, working mom, being pregnant. I remember traveling out to Beijing, the Beijing Olympics in 2008, like about seven months pregnant with him in my tummy and still just being so active. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just very different, different time of my life. And it gives you a, a different appreciation um, of, of, of motherhood. You know, it's, it's just the time that I'm able to give Troy is... It's just fantastic. Lauren being able to watch that and um, again, getting over the shock that mom's going to be another mom again. <laughs> She's going to be mommy again. And there's going to be a little person in the house was, was, um, was different. 
Um, and I think all of the children have appreciated having and seeing up close and personal that attention to detail and the selflessness that a mum really does give a, a newborn baby. And it taught them to be a bit more respectful and to value that it's not all about them at that mm. particular time. And they became very helpful, you know, whether it's doing the dishwasher, doing different bits and pieces around the house and watching this little person grow and fall in love with him. I've got um, siblings that are, I mean, with me and my brother, there's 16 years between me and my brother. And then I've got my other sister, Francesca, who is 15 now. So I'm basically old enough to be all the last three's mum. And my relationship with them is incredible. And it's, it's, a, it's a different relationship to what I have with my sisters who are nearer in age to me. The relationship that I have, especially with my brother, I was there at the hospital actually when he was born. And it did, like you said, it gave me this incredible appreciation for for mums and for, you know, what, what people go through. And also, the, I, I was very early on, you know, like my with my brother all the time. I was babysitting him and looking after him. We have a very, very strong bond, very strong because of that, because I was so involved in those very early years with him. Um, and he's a great kid, do you know what I mean? But it's, it's lovely when we all come together as well and there's varying ages and our family expanding and the expansion and you know, growing and having fun. And we see things from different perspectives from each person's point of view. Yeah, and that's that's been really special. And as I said, uh, Troy's now it's two next month. And as I said, my fourteen my fourteen year old, I think he has that special bond with him as well um, because you know he'll be there holding him when everyone else is just busy doing their thing. Obviously, Lauren's a head on into her teenage years, and she was you know, doing her thing, going out for walks during lockdown and trying to keep herself energized, mm. uh, waiting for those horrendous A-level results. Oh. That was a nightmare. Um, but yeah, it's just lovely, Natalie. I'm, I'm really grateful for having that opportunity again in my life. I mean, the, the opportunity has come, but you know, you, you haven't exactly slowed down, Denise. You know, <laughs> you're, you're still kind of really busy. And I mean, even yesterday I was on your Instagram and I was like, she's doing HIIT workouts, you know? I yes. <laughs> Listen, exercise is my life. And, you know, we talk about lockdown and how horrendous this year has been. But my goodness, exercise has been my saviour. It really has. If I didn't have that as part of my, my DNA, I just don't know what I would have done, really. Coming from that background of training, training hard from being a young girl, you know, applying yourself to, to the competition, to, to the track, to, I mean, all the different events that, you know, as, as a heptathlete, you'd have to take part in and do that dedication to each specialist part of it. You know, that's something that is ingrained in you. And, you know, I've met quite a few sports people who, when that career kind of comes to an end, finding that focus when you're so, it's just who you are, so much part of who you are, that training aspect. It's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, obviously you've shifted into broadcasting and, you know, so many other things, but is that then why it's your go-to to kind of keep your focus because it's what you know so well? Yeah, I think so. I think because I, I know the health benefits, I know that, you know, exercise is so much more than just the physical what you're doing to your body, it's, it re-energizes your mind. Um, and it's a moment to switch off from the outside world and immerse yourself 
in that feeling, whether it's listening to your, feeling your heart race, you know, during the exercise, listening to your breathing, you just zone in on you. Mm. And I think that's important when there are stresses around you, that you, you find that thing that just makes you feel better about yourself and about your surroundings. And for me, that's exercise. Um, and as I said, you know, it was good because I could spend that time with the family as well and they exercised as well. But it's just been, it's, it's a great tool. And, you know, you mentioned heptathlon and the parallels of that event in particular where you've got clear strengths, you've got um, events that you're not so good at. And for me, that's, that's my life lesson is going through those ebbs and flows. And lockdown is very much about coping with the ebbs and flows of life, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I was going to ask you that anyway, was about, you know, there will be those areas that you are stronger and, and not so strong. And, and where do you push yourself? And how do you deal with how do you deal with those knocks, you know, when you didn't score quite so highly? I mean, what is your approach to that? You know, because as you said, this year has been like a roller coaster for so many and trying to get back on and not, you know, not get off and just think, oh, I'm giving up. How do you get back on? What, what's your um, advice to people? I just think, you know, you can get through it. It's trying, when things aren't going well, and I experienced that in heptathlon, it's knowing that there is going to be another opportunity to rise up and not dwell. That was one skill I had to learn, is not dwell on the negatives too long and find that positive word for yourself or action and for me during heptathlon it was changing over of my shoes so when I had a horrendous hurdles event the next event was high jump and I said I can say as many negative things about myself about the event about what my score is going to look like but as soon as I change those shoes I'm now positive I'm thinking about all the positive aspects of high jump and the things that I'm going to need to do to make me jump high and I just think that is uh, something we can translate into everyday life is, yes, have those moments when you just want to rip your hair out, scream, but find that trigger that now it's enough. I'm going to give my test off 10 minutes of rage. I'm going to then switch, flip that switch and move on. And I, I do that. You know, my life isn't perfect. I have moments when I do have insecurities, but I do have the tools to get me out of that that hole and and it is a toolkit isn't it you know for sure because I'm just listening to you there going oh my god yeah (laughs) (laughs) because it is easily done where I mean I'm I'm terrible for negative self-talk you know and I would do it all the time with auditions and I would blame myself for this and I would talk awful to myself and we've got to get out of that habit you know this is something I'm learning at the minute you know with the work that I'm doing with my business with the capsule it's it you know how you talk to yourself has such a huge impact in how you put yourself out to the world so turning off those negative voices stop you know you wouldn't talk to another person often the way that you talk to yourself so you've got to switch that round don't you and you've got to kind of treat yourself as kindly as you would to somebody else and pull you pull yourself back up dust yourself off and go okay well that didn't work and I know that is so much easier said than done you know totally but you know as you've just said there especially being competitive you must Mm. have had to get very quick at that very quick 
absolutely. So what, as you said, it, it's a transition for a lot of people because you don't spend time doing that in your daily life. Now, when I was an athlete, every morning I woke up, it was, I know my purpose. I know what I'm working towards. Um, in the mornings of competition, I wake up with positive affirmations to myself. Like today I feel strong. You know, I'm at the best physical shape I can be. Uh, this is what I want to get out of the day. And yes, within that day, you'll, as you said, you'll go through those ups and downs, but you come back quickly to that positivity. Otherwise, you will not survive in you know, the Olympic arena. You will not survive at the World Championships. High pressure, um, the best people in the world. And people have to just find that way of translating those good habits into their everyday life. And we just don't spend enough time doing it. We wake up, we look at the watch or we look at the phone these days. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're so busy thinking about everybody else's life and how they look, what they're doing. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Spend time focusing on you. You're an individual. You're the best version of yourself or you're trying to be. And don't, don't wish your life away. I mean, I think my best asset and my best tool is patience. I had to be a patient athlete to get the results. 20 years of dreaming about being an Olympic champion to getting there. And life, you can't learn everything in your 20s. You can't learn everything in your 30s. It's a journey and it's a process. And so give yourself time to, to learn and, and grow. I love that mentality because you're so right. I am, again, one of the most impatient people in the world. And I've been one of those terrible people that's always had, not terrible people, you know, we're all different, but <laughs> you know, like where you have a milestone and if you haven't hit that milestone, I would more so in my twenties than now, you know, beat myself up about it and think, oh, I should have achieved this, 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 and this, because I'm such a, an achiever. Like I love yeah. to achieve things. And now I am being a bit more relaxed and I am seeing, as you've just said, then it is a journey and, you know, you might not hit that point at that particular time, but it will come with perseverance. And yes. I think that's the other thing is consistency and perseverance. And, keeping keeping to your goal you know not necessarily okay you didn't it must be the same with an olympics you know you didn't hit it in so whichever year but you've got another four years and we'll keep going and we'll try again but going back to you know as you said there 20 years for you to become an olympic champion and i expect when that finally happened you know the elation of you and your team because you know there are people involved with you in getting you to that point i mean how was that how you know in sydney what did it feel like oh, the first emotion was relief I, I tell everybody it was just sheer relief um because you don't know you know, you can get all the indicators through your life and what you're going, but on that particular two days, you still don't know until you cross that line. So that feeling was so overwhelming. And then it's just that team. You're so grateful for the people that have sort of sacrificed their time, their commitment to believing in your goal. I, I just, I can never repay, you know, the likes of my coach, Charles Van Commenay, my physio, Kevin Lidlow, and all the other people around that, that sort of kept me on track, whether it's physically, mentally, in a lot of cases, financially as well, especially when I was starting out. So those people, like my first coach, you know, Wolverhampton, when I walked into the stadium for the first time um, as a nine-year-old little girl, that person that made it fun for me 
that kept me wanting to come back every week. You're just so grateful. And it was what was really special for me was that when I was able to sort of host a um, just a celebration with the rest of Wolverhampton, if you like. <laughs> and we had, went up to the town hall and uh, the council offices. And I was able to invite people that I just wanted to say thank you to. So my PE teachers, that first coach that I mentioned, um, my school, the town, just people. You know, you can't do it alone. You just can't. I mean, that is such a lovely thing to do, as you said, you know, to to thank those people and to never forget where you started from, because that's important, isn't it? It's important to remain humble. It's important yes. to understand that you didn't achieve everything completely alone. You know, you, you, yes, of course, you're the person that goes out and has to win at the end of the day. But without that support, you, you don't have that kind of um, network and that that ability to be able to go out there and really you know conquer your goals and achieve it because you know you need it you need people to inspire you and to to let you in you know and encourage you in the PE class and as you said you know financially keep you on the road to, to your dream because they believed in you it's so lovely to um to hear you say that that you did that it's just amazing um you know and then obviously you win the olympics and you're a, I mean, you're a national treasure anyway. But, you know, how was that, dealing with that response coming home? Just overwhelming. Yeah. Because I was thousands of miles away in Sydney when it happened. So that flight back, coming back into the UK and just walking, you know, being at Heathrow Airport, the scores of people that were there, it's just, ah, oh, my gosh, you don't realise how much you're something you do can impact so many people and that just kept growing you know just when I went back home um going to the local shops doing my groceries it was just bombarded by well-wishers and it was staggering it was staggering and then you get an opportunity to watch the performance back as I did at sports personality um of that year and you just think that really happened to me it took it took two months to the realization to really sink in that I had, I just achieved everything I desired for, for my, my sporting life and the impact that it had on so many people. And still today, you know, someone that hasn't met me before could stop me and say, oh, you were so awesome back in Sydney. That's 20 odd years ago. And so that moment in time does live forever. Absolutely. It's a legacy. Do you know what I mean? You're like literally up there. And then, as you said, you, you know, you get to that point, you've achieved all that, you, you've had all the acknowledgement and all that, you know, accolade. And then, then what's next? You know, that must have been, as your career started to wind down, that must yeah. have been a real shock and, and difficult to kind of, you know, a difficult moment to go through, you know, t taught me through how that was going through, you know, and it's probably gradual, but still, you know, how yeah. was it? No, it's, you always know that, you know, it's not going to last forever, but that realization is like a, a, a blow. Um, I describe it and, you know, forgive me listeners, but it feels like a, a bereavement because it, it really defines who you are. You know, I was a sportswoman. I was, you know, the, the lifestyle, uh, you know, to who you are and what you're doing. They're so inextricably linked that to tear one part away from you was just really hard to take. But I did have to take my time. I did have to breathe and find 
think about what I wanted to do next. And it wasn't easy. And again, that say it was a low point. It, it was. But I had to find somebody that I trusted that I could speak to because I didn't feel I was getting the support from the athletic side because, um, you know, I was no longer a performer. I didn't matter. You know, there was no advice. There was no careers advice or how can we embrace you? It was like, thank you and goodbye. And so that adjustment was, was tough. Um, but I did find a way through it. And it was starting back to that list. What would I like to do? Who am I? And what do I still have to offer? And a phone call from a, a very well-respected uh, sports guru, I'd like to call her, you know, Baroness Sue Campbell. I just got on the phone to her. And having the courage to even do that, you know, it's, it's something you have to find when you, when you, you cannot see the way through, just pick up the phone and, and find someone who can open that door or unlock that confidence that you need. And she did that for me. And then the next thing, it was the Olympics, London Olympics, all that preparation. I worked with Youth Sports Trust for a good what, five or six years trying to support um, grassroots you know, sports and activity, which, you know, was my lifeline. And uh, yeah, then into broadcasting. It's so scary though, Denise, isn't it? I mean, like I've spoken to a few sports people before previously and they, as I said earlier, you know, they hit that wall and it does feel like the rug has been pulled from under you because it's everything that you know and it's everything that everybody knows you for as well. Yes. So there's nothing worse than that. Oh, you used to be. And, yeah. you know, we're seeing that a lot now, even in this current climate with people that have lost their jobs that, you know, that are in very difficult situations and that the world that they knew has completely changed. And, you know, trying to reassess and find out what you bring to the table and what you can offer is an absolutely terrifying experience. And again, it's not just, it doesn't just happen to sports people or even to actors or dancers. It happens on an everyday level to people that are, you know, you look at the hospitality industry and the amount yeah. of pubs and, you know, bars and things. And for me, I mean, what, what would be your key things that you, you could offer to people now who are probably looking at themselves and going, well, who am I? What yeah. do I do? Yeah, it is, it is terrifying. But it is that sitting down, taking... I think when, when there's drama going around, on around you, it just feels like all the walls are closing in and that it's a race against time. I'm sure for some people, financially, it is. But you've got to almost stop time and, and take that time to, to write things down. I always find writing things down or, and conversing with somebody else helps me, helps me get a clearer picture about who I am, what I want to do. And it, it is about finding that confidence within you to say, I can start over. It might not be in what I hoped. It might not be something else. And I had this great conversation with my very best friend from school it's, it's starting with something and that one little thing can manifest itself into something bigger and better going forward. But you have got to find your way to get back on that treadmill and, and, and feel, feel active again. You know, as I said, my, my best friend, she was COVID, lost her mom. Um, you know, she and her husband lost their jobs in, in March and she has spent the last seven months just in bits, yeah. just totally in bits and unsure, lack of clarity, confidence on the floor. 
but these we've been talking, you know, I told her, just keep talking to me. Just keep, send me a picture every day, go out and walk. You know, that's all she's been doing. So, you know, just walking, finding that fresh air, that extra oxygen, clarity of the mind and find that thing and applying for jobs. She was rejected. It's not the right time for finding jobs. But eventually, and she just called me yesterday. She said, the job that I applied for, I actually got. Yes! She's beside herself. She was oh, beside herself, Natalie. News. So it's being patient and, and not giving up. And I know that sounds so hard for people, but it is about that dusting yourself off. Um, and you said that consistency of, I am going to get up. I am going to walk and find that clarity and something will turn up. It will. I think as well, um, something that I think really helps is... Um, finding as you said something to do and even if that's volunteering even yes. something that gives you purpose and worth even if there's i know financially it's incredibly difficult for so many people right now um but if you are able to kind of find a volunteer service or de deliver to people yes. just knowing that your one act in that day is affecting somebody else's life and that you have a worth and a purpose until the time comes around where you know you will land that job and, you, and things will get back to normal I think you 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 have to stay active and that's keep it. your mind busy I think that's really important um, and it's something that definitely helped me uh, you know before I kind of decided to go on this journey with my business I was at a point where I I really was struggling because I wanted to be at home so much with my son and it you know I was at loggerheads with my the career side of myself and I was like well what transferable skills have I got that I can use that will hopefully meet the best of both worlds. But, you know, having to say goodbye to part of the performer in me, not that I have completely, but for the time being, you know, having to come to terms with, well, that's not something I'm going to do every day anymore. And so who am I? And my ego taking a massive blow as well, you know, my ego of going, Oh, didn't you used to be, and it is very, um, it's difficult, but for me, it was, as you said, writing and then step by step, slowly, you know, tiny baby steps in, in one direction that have now become bit much bigger steps and now become something that I never even imagined, to be honest. It wasn't the path that I started on, but I'm enjoying my life so much. I see more of my son and it's taken me to a place that's a, a new chapter in my life and it is a second coming. And I, you know, for you with broadcasting, I expect that that next that next chapter of Denise Lewis, that next version of you must have been incredibly exciting again. It was exciting. Um, scary because live television is, is very much like that. But again, it's, you talk about those transferable skills. It's absolutely that, um, you know, being ready to embrace the next chapter and, you know, I'm still learning, still growing. Um, and then I know that at some point it will be something else. Uh, but you have to be open-minded enough to accept that things do change. You know, things do change. And if you don't like it, it's not, you know, our natural instinct to embrace, you know, new things all the time. Some people are better at it than others. But, you know, if you can remain open-minded and um, trust, trust in a process of, yes, one thing ends, we spend time reassessing, reevaluating, and then we are open to receive something else new. It's a yeah, natural it's thing, and we all do it. 
And it's that thing of, you know, change and challenge equals growth. And without those two things, you stay in a certain place and you have to have change and challenge to then shoot up and to grow and to learn something and then get to the next level. It's almost like leveling up. Yes. And once we start embracing that and seeing what's happening around us as a, you know, a, a, a test of character or a learning curve, you know, it enables us to be a little bit more um, philosophical and, and, as you said, trusting of life's process. I mean, so going back, you know, to, to you, a kind of, I, I just, when I was going through all your stuff, I was like, wow, it's all-star musical, strictly. <laughs> I mean, for you and me, it was you, your face sounds familiar. There is a showgirl in you. Now, so do you think that the, the athlete and the showgirl are pretty much the same thing? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny because you are right. It's, it is entertainment. Sport is a different vehicle of entertainment. Um, and... I do love the performing world because you're out there. You have got to go through that same rehearsal of, of, of practice, of commitment, of self-belief, and you're then thrust into the limelight and you have to, you have to try and you know, perform and do your thing. And so they are linked. And, you know, you talk about, you know, I guess having the opportunity to just try something new and to do those new challenges I, I, again we're very lucky that we do i am very lucky that i get presented with those those opportunities and some days i just think yeah come out your comfort zone come out your comfort zone and see what you can you can do i know but i it can't to me like it is your comfort zone though as well <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far out i think you know what i was um i wanted to be a dancer and one, when I was young, I thought I was going to be, um, you know, one day travel to America. I'd be Janet Jackson's, one of her performing girls, you know, doing these routines. Because I did do ballet and tap as a, as a child. And, you know, athletics took over. So I'm getting almost like a second bite of the cherry. <laughs> Even though people would be like, oh, you can't sing, Denise. You should have no business with a microphone in your hand. But I had the most fun doing all stars musicals. It was just brilliant. And your face is familiar. Yeah, familiar, like, you know, you and your face were, your, it was amazing. You know, when I was watching your Beyonce kind of at the side of the stage, I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. I mean, obviously you're like a glamazon anyway. And the dancing <laughs> was incredible. But, you know, I love, I think for me, when I was working with you during that time, and, you know, I had a, a tiny baby, he was only 10 months old. And I, my, I was just thrown into this chaotic kind of mad world. But the thing for me that really stood out was, your approach to performance because I was a bag of nerves you know I would be at backstage having a bloody breakdown whereas you were so calm so collected and ready to go you know you you brought that that a game to the stage and I think you know obviously all those years of having to nail it in that one moment and probably why you do so brilliantly on live television because you get one chance yes yeah absolutely um yeah, the training helps. That the life training, the athletics training, it really does help. Um, I don't know. It's it's just within me. It's within me, and I I don't fear it all the time. But there are some situations, like when I'm doing you know corporate talking or speaking, motivational speaking. That preparation for me, I I'm the person with the bag of nerves. But then there's a moment where you just got to say. I can't change it. I have to do this. And so let me give it my best shot. 
and don't be frightened of making mistakes. There are some days I'm sitting and I'm forgetting the surname of some athletes, you know, but at the end of the day, we're human. You know, we're, we're not perfect. You will make mistakes. Some days things don't go particularly well. I can come off the stage of having given a talk and think, ah, missed that. Um, I didn't make that clear enough. And I'm like, then move on. Yes, it happened. Move on. I will be better the next time. And Just is that how die. you kind of calm your nerves, Denise? Because, you know, how, how you are able to have that, um, you know, that, that calm, that, that brilliant nature, you know, it's so together that there's no, never even a, a slight glimpse of nerves. Are you, you know, your composure, is that because you know that ultimately you either, you, you own the mistake as well, you know, you could think, okay, yeah, I made a mistake boom, move on. And having that mentality from the start, knowing that it's a, it's a drop in the ocean and then there will be a next time. Um, do you think that's what helps calm those nerves? I think so. And one thing I would say is I've learned to trust my inner voice. That's one thing that I've had to use as an athlete. You know, that we talk about that self-chatter. Mm. I've had to trust that person within, that little person, diddy person that has such a big impact on all, all, who we are. I've learned to trust it. And so I've had to rely on it in competition. I've had to, you know, as you say, switching that focus from negative to positive. I've been doing it. I've been rehearsing it. I've trusted it. It's a friend that's grown with me. And so I can take it and use it in other areas of my life as well. So in that way, I think I'm very fortunate but also that grounding that I had as a child. I mean, I had very humble beginnings. I'm an only child, single parent. Mom, you know, just raised me and did the best that she could. Um, that humility is always there. And so even at the time, at my peak, when everyone was saying that I'm the, the amazing, I'm invincible, um, I still tread that pathway that is very central rooted and grounded so i keep my ship sailing towards my north star i don't try and drift off and be somebody else in the positive or negative fashion i just keep coming back to my center and it, it keeps me safe and saying <laughs> knowing who you are now speaking of sailing ships we have to go there <laughs> you brought it in so well <laughs> don't rock the boat oh my god when you I have to ask this right because I know so many people must be thinking this when you when they first presented this idea to you did you have any idea at all it would be that horrendously horrifically challenging absolutely not because had they told me the detail <laughs> it would have been nah thanks I'll, I'll give that one a swerve I'll, I'll miss that one but it was oh gosh you know it's going to be a rowing competition a challenge after lockdown, I thought, I need to get out. Yeah, this is going to be fantastic. Um, I know it's going to be hard. I can relate to that. I can do hard. But, oh, my goodness, the detail that they missed out. <gasps> Shocking. I mean, Shocking. some of those challenges literally put the jungle to shame. It really did. And, you know, really tested the characters of all the cast. You had an amazing team with you, obviously. You had, yes, you know, yes. brilliant Sean Wallace, you had Lucy Fallon, you know, some fabulous people. And then you obviously had Fleur's team. And you yes. guys would like head to head. But, yeah, when those challenges were presented, I mean, what was the reaction? Were you just like, did you, were you even able to go, I can't do this at any point? Oh. 
before the challenges kicked in, it was, oh, there will be nights when you'll be sleeping on the boat. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't remember seeing that anywhere <laughs> written here. No. Oh, so that was the thing for me because the cabins are so small and I have a tinge of claustrophobia and I just think there's no way I'm going to be doing that on God's planet. It's not happening. But you find a way because you, you know, you become captain. So you've got to lead by example. So I have, I can't show the fear because I don't want everyone else to crumble. Um, but yeah, the challenges then when they then threw that into the mix, it was just like, no, just no. But that steeliness that I can draw on, it just kicks in. It just comes into play when I'm in danger. <laughs> I just find this way of like, it, you have to. Um, laugh in the face of adversity and Always. that's what I, <laughs> and that's what I did you know within I had to say just come on Denise you've got this you can do it don't look down and focus on the task at hand I mean yeah god some of those heights ones were just oh god Incredible. and you know people like Adam Thomas obviously lovely Adam that I've worked yes. with on Emmerdale and I'd seen him do the jungle and was like wow brilliant and then doing this I was like this is just a whole other level of, you know, and, and for those people as well, I expect you would have had to be mum as well quite a bit of the time to, to certain members of your cast who Definitely. were frightened and maybe did want to speak out and say, oh, I'm not really comfortable. So not only are you captain, but your mum, I mean, did your maternal side kick in? From day one, when I first, when we did the first uh, sort of 24 hour row, um, I saw that there was, that we could have some problems here and there, you know, with the sickness. Um, Lucy Fallon, who you just mentioned there, and she, we actually spoke about you while we were away. And it was so oh. great then you got in touch um, to do the capsule. And Lucy, I just thought she's never going to last. Mm. She's never going to last. But boy, that girl has got some grit. You know, she may be diminutive, but she has, she needed coaxing through and her confidence building up. And she will give you her heart. You know, she knows, I, I don't like it. This is hard work, um, but I don't want to let you down. And she just grew. She was just amazing. She was so amazing. And so she, you know, Lucy wears her heart on her sleeve. And so she was just a breath of fresh air. And to watch her growth in the show, because she was on my Blue Crew. And uh, I was just so proud of her. So she proved that you can do anything if you put your mind into it and you focus on the task in hand and try and quieten the fear just i think with lucy as well but you know from the acting point of view of being instructed and told what to do and you know having to throw yourself into it as a performer there is an element of you that again has to very quickly overcome any fear you might have and whether you you know you might not do it gracefully i know i wouldn't be very graceful in doing it i'd be like screaming my head off but I'll probably do it just because you kind of have to as you said push yourself out of your comfort zone it goes back to that thing you know without without change and challenge then you don't grow and I expect you know at the end of it well for all of you actually you know watching the the end you you clearly and and, and especially for Fleur as well you know when it was the very end it was it was a huge achievement and something that people really needed as well yeah, it was massive. It was a massive achievement. And you touch on Fleur there. And it was, for her, it was a real personal journey. Yeah. You know, personal journey, as everyone might know. Yeah, she lost her, her, her father in the early part of the year. And so she was doing it for him. Mm-hmm. She was doing it for him. So those dark 
moments where she probably wanted to quit she just found that resolve to dig deep and, and get out there but um you saw it in everybody that everyone came to their own realization at different points and just that will never be the same, you know, and we're bonded by that experience. We are so bonded. We have our own little WhatsApp group. And <laughs> of course there's a WhatsApp group. <laughs> we love them. Don't want the vote. Our WhatsApp group. And um, you're just such unlikely characters just thrust together and um, hopefully bonded for life. It was just incredible. I think this is the thing, you know, like um, I've done the Tough Mudder a couple of times with a few friends of mine and it's such a weird experience. I think I was talking to Jenny Faulkner about this actually after the mar- after she'd done the marathon. When you have that shared experience and then you go home and nobody else in your house kind of <laughs> was there, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? And it's like it you, you, you do need to keep checking in with those people because they were yes. the only other ones that experienced it with you. Yeah. And, you know, even watching it back, you know, last week, um, I just it was just... <sighs> just crazy it was just crazy we were all texting each other and saying can you believe that and we're taking we're, we're transported back to those moments which were almost life-changing for a few people mm. really life-changing but you're right it's just that shared experience of, of a challenge that we didn't think we'd overcome when they set out and told us the amount of miles we were going to do we just thought we're never going to make it would did. you do it again if they put it in front of you? I have to say, I feel totally exhilarated having had that challenge. I wouldn't ordinarily do something like that. I really wouldn't. People do put me down as just this yeah. competitive beast and this, <laughs> yeah, and this person that just jumps at all these challenges. But my kids couldn't believe what they were watching. They thought, like, who is this person? Who is this person? They just didn't think I had it in me. What? You're like super mom. Yeah, I, I'm super mom because I, I make sure that they, I have the safety net under them all the time, you know, with it's homework, food, doing this, doing that. But they haven't seen me take on the open water, the seas. You know, I'm the person that is on, um, you know, next to the, the, the beach. I'm sunbathing. I'm reading. I'm not in the pool. I don't do that. I, I don't get my hair wet. I'm just chilling out. <laughs> and so, so for them to see me, you know, in the, you know, the, the, the Bristol Channel and, you know, Irish Sea, it was just mind blowing for them. Yeah, but still looking super glamorous though. Like, well, seriously, hey. do you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> you know, from going back to your children, obviously this year we had some incredible like life altering events that happened during the summer and you know with George Floyd and with Black Lives Matter how was that how did that impact on your family at the time you know your children are mixed race so I'm just Mm -hmm. interested to know from from your point of view as a mum how did that affect them and you we had a lot of discussions Mm. we had a lot of discussions which probably if I'm honest would we have had them would we have had them in quite the same way? I, I don't know, because my children, especially my boys, um, they really have a, a strong connection to popular culture and to black culture, mm. um, musically, um, the way they dress at the moment. You know, I have to keep walking behind them, pulling up their pants, you know, <laughs> drives me insane. Um, but I have that connection. And, you know, and my husband, again, giving different opinions to a situation um 
I think it was very healthy for them to actually witness and listen to all the discussion points around the why, um, how we can bring about change. Um, but that my son, my 14 year old, because he's just that bit older, was really affected and he wanted to go to the marches in London. And so my husband was against it, but I said, it's important that he goes if he wants to do that. So I took him um, safely, you know, masked up mm -hmm. and sanitized. We kept, tried to keep our distance as much as possible. I mean, I was like, you know, super mom. I literally <laughs> threw arms everywhere yeah. to make sure that he had distance and everything. But it was important for him to see it and to understand the emotion surrounded about you know, essentially 50% of his, his, his DNA, mm -hmm. which is, you know, being a, a young black, black, brown boy. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think it was, it, for me, this year has been so much about um, that open and honest conversation about what it is to walk in someone else's shoes, mm -hmm. um, a black person's shoes, or to actually uh, try to understand why the, there was so much anger and more than the anger but so much hurt that surfaced and I had this conversation with my mom as well because she was very tearful oh. and I think it was very much about what she had to endure back in sort of the the 70s and 80s you know she came over as a young girl 11 and 12 um, immersed herself into British life and made that transition which was not easy but then the racism that she faced as, as a young woman, you know, I mean, I haven't faced that. I'll be honest that, you know, avert racism in your face. And I think all those years of turning the other cheek, trying to fit in, mm -hmm. wanting to be accepted in the workplace and on the street, I just think all that emotion surfaced for her and um, just spilled over and thinking, gosh, still, still you know, someone is going to kill you for the colour of your skin. It's just, just crazy. And has it made your, you know, your children and like in particular your, your, your son kind of want to find out more, want to, you know, want to kind of, um, yeah, find out more about black history? Is, has, is he intrigued by it? Intrigued uh, is probably the wrong word. I, I think it's challenged his thinking about, yeah. you know, why we don't see more, Yes. history black history in schools and i think and i'll be honest for myself i'm thinking about how much do i not know yeah you know as, as a black woman how much do i not know about my own history because i haven't been taught it i'm i'm british i was raised in this country and haven't been given um the information that that i should because black history is british history you know, we didn't get here by accident. It was in invited, you know. That's why our, our society looks the way it does. And, and so it's, it's stimulated me into to trying to find out more, to, to read more, um, and, and to impart whatever I find out on my children more. Um, I, I think my son is at a stage where he's just in, enjoying life. You know, yeah. he has, he's very... He's got a cross-section of friends from different backgrounds, religions, communities. Mm. And I think that gen this generation is very much about that. Um, and that's why we've seen so much pushback on racism yeah. um, and sexuality, because we are, you've just got to be who you are. 
you know, well, this and, is it. We're raising it. children in the hope that, you know, that we're bringing them, bringing them into an accepting society, as in we're teaching this new generation, our children, to challenge opinions, to not, you know, not accept things. I had yeah. so many conversations with my son, you know, and he couldn't get his head around certain things, bless him. He was so yeah. naive to anything and he just didn't understand it. And when I was trying to say, oh, well, you know, it's to do with skin colour, he just, his, his little mind. And, and I was really proud of that because I thought that's yes. great because now where I'm sending you off into the world where you will challenge somebody, if you see something that you know in your gut is wrong, you'll speak out about it. And okay. I think that is the, the positive thing, Denise, you know, this, this generation that's emerging, they, they, will, they will speak up and they will challenge and they will march. And that's exactly what we need to create a fairer, more equal, more loving society, isn't it? Completely. And my daughter, oh my goodness, don't get started on anything. She, she's so politically minded because um, her, for her philosophy is justice for all, you know, yeah. very much so. Um, so she's the one actually that will be up in arms and she pulls me up about even the simplest things that I'm not quite, I'm just quite, not quite PC enough, mum. You know, you just got to really think about how that might affect someone else if you say that. I'm like, whoa, okay. Okay. And that's great. It's great. We need to learn from that generation how we can be better or more mindful about the things we are not saying and the things that we do say. Absolutely. Oh, bless her, lovely Lauren. You're 18 now <laughs> at university. I mean, yes. you must be so proud of her and the young woman, you know, that she is becoming. She's developing wonderfully. Um, you know, again, just trying to teach her to be patient. You know, don't be in a rush. Our girls this day and age, they seem to be in a rush to be adults. And maybe we're all like that. You know, we all need to be grown women that know everything. But I just try to say to her, you've got time. You've got time. Just enjoy and embrace, you know, just the discovery of, of life, you know. And so, she, yeah, she still has that picture with you, by the way. Oh, bless She her. still has it. Oh, yeah. such good times. They were amazing times. For anyone that didn't see it, Denise and I were on um, a TV show called Your Face Sounds Familiar, and we had to impersonate other people. But it was so quick. Like, literally, we never knew who we were going to be, and we had a week to nail the character. And it was, yeah. it was, we were flying by the seat of our pants, weren't we? But it was brilliant <laughs> fun. It was so much fun. You know, there were only six of us. And again, it was that amazing shared experience that yeah. we all had together um and it was great so if you if you do go and check it out on youtube you'll no, see me no <laughs> she's Don't saying no listen they can see me as justin bieber now that is a sight you were so fantastic honestly you've got a voice of an angel but yeah don't oh. don't, don't send them there natalie they don't oh, need to okay. see no, that I'll, I'll send them i'll send them back to don't rock the boat and to strictly and all the other and, and to the olympics and all the other incredible achievements that you've had in your amazing career and are continuing to have you know you've got as you said earlier this is a new chapter now you are uh, you know a, a new mummy again as well so you've got so much more kind of coming up ahead of you well it has been I can't believe we've run out of time, Denise. It was, it's been absolutely amazing, though, to chat to you um, today. And I mean, you know, obviously, as we said earlier, people are going through a really tough time right now, and it is coming up to Christmas. You know, what, what's your advice to people right now as they look towards the Christmas period? It's, as you say, it's so hard, but try and embrace the things that you do have. Um, it's, it's really easy to focus on the, the, the challenges out there, and I, I do get it. Your health, 
and your mental wellness is all that, that matters right now. And if you can try to, to, to focus on the loved ones and the positives, then you know, we will get through this. This is a phase in our lives that um, is a tough one, but there will be brighter days. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. It's been lovely to have you with me and to listen to your amazing advice. You're a true inspiration and we bloody love you. <laughs> Thanks, Natalie. Love talking oh, to you. I hope you guys at home have enjoyed being with us too and you feel ready to take on the coming weeks. We're nearly there, guys. 2021 is calling. If you'd like more from Denise, you can follow her on Instagram at Real Denise Lewis, where you can catch up with her latest challenges, her amazing workouts, and life as a busy mum. If you'd like more well-being, fashion and beauty from us, you can visit our website www.thecapsule.co.uk where you can also catch up with our previous podcast episodes by visiting the In Conversation page and subscribing to any of our podcast channels and YouTube. Do leave us your rates and reviews. It's been lovely to hear your feedback this series. Thank you so much. If you're a social butterfly, you can also catch us on Instagram and Facebook at Official Capsule. I will be back next week with another very special guest. But today, all that's left for us to say is goodbye. So it's goodbye from Denise. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. This episode of The Capsule in Conversation was brought to you by WeCure. Specialists in EMDR, trauma and mindfulness therapy, WeCure offers one-of-a-kind treatments whilst you reflect and heal in the Mediterranean. Reset your mind and well-being. Speak to WeCure. WeCure.co.uk forward slash capsule.